into your presence in this place, asking for your spirit to fall upon us and fall upon us fresh. Ask, Lord, that in the message time, Lord, that you would let it be your message. It be my voice, but may the words be yours and the message be yours. And may we hear it in the place that you would have each of us to hear it. Father, we are so grateful that you are our God and that we are your children. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning again. Good morning. Hey, there we go. Um, John Ed Matson in the book, he, he, he uses something that I want to borrow this morning. It's called the hydrologic cycle, right? Everybody knows what the hydrologic cycle is. Well, you know what it is. You may not recognize it by hydrologic cycle. You see, water falls from the clouds to the ground, right? And then it, it, it might be rain or snow or sleet or some other form, and then it lands, and then it collects in these places called rivers and lakes and eventually makes its way to the ocean. And then, after that condensation, will, evaporation happens, and the water is absorbed back up into the sky, and then condensation happens, and those beautiful, puffy, cumulus clouds, or those wispy, cirrus clouds form, and then you know what happens next? It rains, or sleets, or snows, and it falls down to the ground, and, and it lands on the ground, and it accumulates in these places, rivers, and, and lakes, and... Uh, you, you get it, right? There's this cycle that goes on that's called the hydrologic cycle. Well, the cycle of giving, which we're going to talk about today, works in much the same way. By giving to God financially, we help the sequence of blessings in our life to continue. In science, it's about rain. But in our giving example, it's about our resources. It's about money and cash and, and the things, the gifts that we have. And sometimes it's a drizzle, and sometimes it's a downpour. But Wadsworth puts it well when he says, into each life, some rain must fall, right? So, so that's, what, that's what happens in our life. So money comes to us through our jobs, through the work that we do, through gifts that, that we're given, or some other means, and we begin to collect it. Sometimes we put it in the bank. Sometimes we'll, we'll invest in stuff like cars and houses and, 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 and other things, and it begins to accumulate. Interesting thing about when things begin to accumulate, even water, if it accumulates in a pool that doesn't move and it's just a pool of water in, a, in just its own little place, it becomes stagnant. And you get that film, you, you know, the film that forms on the top of it and, it, and it's nasty, right? Well, money works that way as well. Matthew 6, 19 warns us, don't store up your treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven where they do not become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. So in our cycle, this is where evaporation comes in, right? And, I, and, and I, don't reach for your wallet, Larry. It's, I guess where the pastor says, it's going to have money evaporate out of my wallet. That's what's going to happen. No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. In order for rain to evaporate, it has to be warmed by the sun, right? And then it evaporates, and then we, that cycle continues. In order for our money to get back to the heavens so God can use it and pour it out where he sees fit, we have to be touched by a different kind of sun. Jesus, his son. He compels us to give what we can, what we have. And when we're motivated out of love and give to the church through tithes, and tithes is a tenth, 
and offerings, which is more than a tenth. See, God is gracious, right? So he provides for us 100%. And then he says, keep 90%. Keep 90% and give back to, to my work 10%. And that's the tithe. Offerings are when we go beyond the tithe and we give consistently that amount. Gifts are like if you receive a, a, you know, some form of a blessing and you go, hey, you know, that's an awesome gift, and we give a gift. So that's tithes and offerings and gifts. And God gathers it up for his purposes and wants stagnant pools spring to life. What goes up must come down. The more we allow our money to rise to the heavens, the more likely we are to see abundant rain. Now, an unfortunate thing tends to happen, and it's probably happening right now amongst us whenever money gets mentioned in the church. Preachers, we get uncomfortable with the subject because we're afraid to offend y'all. You know, and, and as soon as money goes up, yeah, this, this happens a lot. Okay, what, where's he going with this? Well, I know some of y'all are there. But preachers are afraid to be take, seen as takers and people won't want to give. And I understand that. But I have to tell you. I believe I have a responsibility. To teach about the importance of giving back to God. What is already his in the first place. I'm not doing anybody any good by not telling you what God has to say about the use of money. I'm not helping anybody by avoiding that. Giving is a spiritual discipline. You hear this every week. As important as prayer study, worship, serving, and witnessing to our faith. Giving is in line with those things. It's critical to us as believers. Malachi in, in, in chapter 3 wrote this about giving. He said, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. So one place that God says, test me. Says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. See, according to Malachi, when we don't give, we're not just missing a blessing. We're actually stealing from God. We're robbing God. Psalm 116, 12 says, What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? That's a question for us. What's our answer? Is it nothing? Is it something? Deuteronomy 16, 17, All must give as they are able according to the blessings given to them by the Lord their God. Now, in order to give, we have to be good stewards of what we have been blessed with. We have to use wisdom and discernment in our spending. John Wesley put it this way, When I have money, I get rid of it quickly, lest it find a way into my heart. But perhaps it's Thornton Wilder who will strike closer to your heart. Money is like manure. It's not worth a thing unless it's spread around encouraging young things to grow. St. Augustine, maybe, maybe that's, it. that's who we need to lean on. Find out how much God has given you. And take from it what you need. The rest is needed by others. You know what Jesus talked about the most? It wasn't love. It wasn't suffering. It wasn't sacrifice or humility or even prayer. It was money. He knows. 
Money is one of those things that when it gets in our heart, it pulls us away from God. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. Jesus wanted his followers, he wanted us to have our priorities in order. Now, from the beginning, this has been a problem. You know what Judas betrayed Jesus for? Money. 30 pieces of silver. He betrayed the Son of God. Money has always been an issue for humanity. It's always been a problem for us. Jesus tells us that it's very hard for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's probably because once it's gained, money is really hard to let go of. Remember John D. Rockefeller. How much is enough? Well, just a little bit more would be the right amount. Just, there's never enough. Matthew 19, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones? You shall not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said, and then he made the biggest mistake of his life. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And it's later in this passage that Jesus says it's very hard for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But I don't think the lesson here in this passage is to go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now, I don't, if you've got that in your heart, I don't want to deny what God might be telling you, but I don't think that's the lesson in this passage. It's to understand where we have stored up our treasure. What's in our heart? What's in our heart? What's in my heart? What's in your heart? That's what the lesson here is. John N. Matheson talks about giving and says, why give? He gives us three reasons. He says, first, it's a chance to be like Christ. Now, we can only be like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, but giving is a way for us to be like Christ. When we give sacrificially, we are being like Christ. Giving is also a witness of our faith. But we need to ask when, where, and how do I get, how much to give? When I stand every week and I, and I say basically the same thing, if you're a guest here, don't feel any obligation to give. Get to know us. Get to know the ministry here at Arbor Point. Check it out. See if it's the work of Christ in the world because you need to make good decisions about where you're going to give. Now, I happen to believe Arbor Point is a great place to give because we are making a difference inside and outside the walls of, of this church and impacting lives. But you don't, if you're new here or, or you know, you're just not sure, keep coming back, hang out with us and find out. Because I think that you will see that. But don't give just because somebody, just because a preacher gets up here and, and tells you to give is not a reason to give to that thing, whatever that is, particularly if they happen to be on television and they're, and they're televangelists and disreputable. Sorry, I, I didn't want to go there, but I couldn't help it. Know who you're giving to. Know the ministry that they're doing, right? And I'm absolutely serious that if at the end of the day you say, I don't think that Arbor Point is the place. Okay, give somewhere 
to the work of Jesus Christ in the world. It is a spiritual discipline that is critical for us if we're going to have a heart that, that seeks after the things of Christ. Giving is a witness of our faith. And the main point is to give to that witness. Third is that it helps keep priorities in line and gives us perspective on the importance of money. If I'm hoarding money, then, then, then I'm making that about me, and God would have it be about others. So what is a tithe? A tithe is 10%. It's in the old days, in the Old Testament, the priests didn't have any land. So when the t- 12 tribes were split up, the Levites were the ones who took care of the temple. They didn't have uh, land to grow, their, grow food and that kind of So the, the first fruits of the harvest, that top 10%, went to the temple so that those who were laborers for the Lord were able to eat. And, and, and able to, they also had, had food from sacri- during the festivals throughout the year. So there was different times that they were able to receive food. So that first, that tenth, that's where that comes from, is that first fruits tenth, taking that off the top. Stanley Jones put, it this, put, put this in, in this way. He said, God is the owner, and you are the ower. This puts God in his place, and you in yours. You are not free to manage your material possessions as you like, but as he likes. And that's a challenge. The thing about it, though, is while I, I obviously like it because it's in a message, and it's ideologically accurate, that second part is practically not accurate. Did you know that you get to spend your money wherever you want to spend it, right? So while he, we can say that, that God is the owner and we are the ower, at the end of the day, he has given us the ability to say yes or no to him. We get to say yes or no. You get to do that with, with the resources that he gives to you. You are free to manage your material possessions in whatever way you like. God's preference would be that you honor him in it. That would be his preference, to choose his way over our way. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, gave everything. All she had to live on. Mark chapter 2. Obedience is important to God. And the widow was important. But I want to use this passage to make this clear. Tithing is not about an amount. It's not about an amount. The widow gave what was in her heart. She gave what was in her heart. And so giving is a way that we put God first in our lives. By putting him first in our heart. Now, we are to be a generous people. Our generosity is one of those standard bearers. We love generosity. Those are some of the standard bearers for us as Christians. Those are supposed to separate us from those in the world. You're supposed to, it's supposed to be recognizable for us when we give, that we give in, in, in ways that impact others. We're to be a cheerful giver, giving cheerfully to the work of Christ in the world. So how's Arbor Point doing right now financially? 
Well, we, we went into the year with a $193,000 budget. And we're going to see revenue around 150 something. We had in the bank in January $36,000, and then in July it was 16. Last month it was 14. We expect it to be about 13 this month. So we're, we're making headway because it dropped from 36 to 16 the first six months of the year, and we're kind of almost holding firm, but we're not. So what did we do? We cut the budget. Uh, of course, when I got here, we met, and we took 10 per, right around 10% off the top of that. So our budget is now down in the 170s. There's $14,000 in the bank, but that's a little bit misleading because 6,000 of that is designated funds, which are monies that have been given for youth mission, for the women's retreat. Those, that's not money that the church can use in the general fund. So we have about $8,000, which is about two weeks operating. Now, I come out of the business world. You don't want just two weeks operating. You want at least three months, but, you know, this is not a business world. This is a little bit different. So we have money in the bank, which is better than not having money in the bank. Amen? <laughs> my, my goal would be that we get two months operating, and, and that kind of gives us a cushion, and anything beyond that, now we're able to really pour into ministry and do those things. But that's not where we are right now. So what do we do? There are really two answers that don't involve draconian cutting and doing away with a lot of ministry stuff, and, and I really don't want to go to that place, because, you know, God is moving. You know, Kit and I are so blessed to be here. We love being here. Um, we see what God is doing in lives. If you were here last, was it last Sunday? I've been sick, so it's all kind of running together. And what that, Jesse, that was magnificent, that God would use you in that powerful way. You know, we're seeing that happen throughout the body and in, throughout this church, and God is moving, and he's up to something in this place. So I, what, the last thing, I, we have not been given a spirit of fear. So don't hear that this morning, because I don't have a spirit of fear about this. God is a big God, and I love God, and God loves me, and he loves you, and he's going to do a work in this place. So what do we do? Since we're not just going to fire everybody. (laughs) One of two things. One, the people who are already here to examine what you're doing and you're giving. Is it possible to increase that? And to look at that and to see if that's a possibility. Put it this way. If we were to have 20 folks increase their giving by $100 a month, actually 19 because Kit and I already have decided to do this. We're in, guys. We're in. And we're like you. We don't, you know, it's not that we have extra. But God is doing something in this place. So if 19 folks, now that can be either people who are already here, or maybe you're not in a position to do that, and I I understand that. That means that you would become one of our inviters, right? You get out there and you start telling people about what God is doing at Arbor Point, and you say, come and join with us because God is moving, and we're going to make a difference. One of the 
hopes and dreams was that we want, they wanted to be a force in the community for God. Man, yes, yes to that. So those are kind of the two areas, right? If, if you're able to increase your giving, great. Pray about that. If you're not able to increase your giving, become an inviter. And folks will come alongside us. I mean, honestly, if we had four families that made 50000 a year that tithed, that covers it too. Because $100 is not really a tithe, right? That's a, you know, that's 10, unless you make 10000 if you do, that's, I understand. So it's one of those two things. It's going to require something of all of us. It's going to require something of all of us. Might be money, might be invitation, but examine where you are. And if you're in like we are, let's do this and let's see what God does. If we're going to grow into the church that God would have us to be, then we have to be willing to do things that are not comfortable, things that, that put us out of our comfort zone. Right, Barbara? Even going into neighborhoods and knocking on doors and just saying hello to people. We're not, and, and, and guys, the EKG, Encouraging Kingdom Growth Team, it's, what they're out is to get to know people. It's to say, hey, we're here, we we want you to know about Jesus. We, you know, we're Arbor Point, but, but we want to, want to get to know who our neighbors are. Tuesday nights at 6.30, 6.45, show up. John is leading us out. Sometimes you get a door slammed in your face. That has happened too. One time, all, just once. We've had a lot more folks that have had conversations. That's not comfortable. Not comfortable. But if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to step out of our comfort zones. And close with Psalm 116. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord are his faithful servants. Truly I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. See, God is faithful and you can put your trust in him. And I don't want anyone to walk out of here going, uh-oh, we're in trouble. God is faithful. Hear this. God is, say it with me. God is faithful. He has this. There's no spirit of fear in this place. I hope you're not sensing one because it ain't here. And if it is, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. No spirit of fear. Jesus overcame the gates of hell and death. That's our Savior. That's our Savior.